Hey guys, welcome back. This is your girl, Lady Rose. Um, today's topic is pedophilia. And I have a guest today all the way from Washington. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. So my name's Kaji Martinez, and I am a practicing psychotherapist. I've actually been in private practice for about 17 years now, um, and my scope of practice tends to be uh, mainly with individuals who are trying to find their way through relationships, um, and of course, uh, with also individuals who are in life transitions and dealing with anxiety and depression. Um, I would say my past experience, it's been all over the board, and I used to work in community mental health where I did a lot of work with uh, families in transition and had a lot of kiddos on my my caseload, so um, I've had a bit of the gamut. Okay. Interesting. I like it. Oh my God, I am so excited. Okay, I am honored to have Kaji as my guest because not only is she so smart, but she has a lot of wisdom to give out and you're fun too. So that, that's a good balance to have. Fun is a good balance. Yeah. Okay. So well, I know this topic is so... Um, like we were saying earlier, it's a bit heavy, uh, too heavy actually, but I really want to tap into this topic because I feel that it's been happening and a lot of people have put it under the rug and I think it's time to unveil it and expose it so we could, you know, learn from each other and learn a little bit by it. I don't know if you, in your, um, um, how can I say, if you ever met somebody like that, but I've met uh, people who have passed through that trauma and for me as we we just get mad like oh you know but what does a pedophile actually think or feel or why does he do this so I'm gonna ask uh, Kaji's um, some questions and hopefully she could um, you know give us some answers and you know not everybody knows everything right but you know she's so wise that I know she's going to give her best and I feel like our audience need to, to learn from her. So, um, okay. You ready to ask you some questions? Yeah, I'm ready. I was just wanting to add to what you were talking about, okay. you know, knowing some people who have gone through, um, some trauma in their life in yeah. regards to, you know, being sexually abused as children, um, and or adults. And, you know, it, it's it I know it's really really tough to think about it is very heavy I'm also yeah. a child mental health specialist so um especially during my time in community mental health you know unfortunately I had a lot of kiddos on my caseload who had been through some very very heavy stuff mm. and um and I'm also a parent you know yeah so it's 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 it can be tough sometimes to separate it all, you yeah. know? but I do think this topic of pedophilia, I mean, if we can kind of take a step back and look at it under the idea of it being a medical disorder and what that really means. So anyways, I'll let you go on with your questions, but I just wanted to add that in. Yeah, that was good. Hard. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad that you said that because that was so well said. <laughs> okay, uh, what is pedophilia? <sighs> So, um, and I, I will preface um, this by saying 
when we look up definitions, sometimes you're going to find varying definitions, okay? okay. And um, I think over time, things just evolve or some things haven't evolved enough yet. Right. But in general, it is a psychiatric disorder, okay? It's okay. defined as recurrent and intense sexual arousing fantasies <clears throat> and sexual urges or behaviors involving sexual activity with a prepubescent child or children generally mm -hmm. ages 13 or younger okay, okay. and within the um what, the D dsm and the dsm it's a diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders what that really means rosa is just that it's the medical dictionary and what we use to diagnose with okay right? okay um it, it needs to evolve once again, and they're actually working on that. And in regards to pedophilia and okay. updating um, this disorder. So, anyhow, that is really what the, our current definition is okay. of this disorder. And that within the DSM, what's really interesting is that it says it needs to occur six months or longer for it to be an actual diagnosis. Now, really? I'm hoping as time evolves yeah I'm, I'm i'm hoping that that will change a bit or it will change um and then they're also putting in subcategories i believe if, from my understanding so people okay. who might be attracted to uh children who are on the cusp of puberty uh -huh. or um who are attracted to children who are very prepubescent oh. so Oh my yeah. goodness. Okay. All right. I'm going to breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So does the medical community consider pedophilia to be, so it's a mental disorder or just a sexual orientation? Just trying out. Yes. So this one is, I know there's a lot of controversy around this uh -huh. and, um, you know, it's. I can see it from a couple of different angles, or at least more than one angle. Okay. Um. So let me back up a little bit in okay. terms of, uh, or in regards to your question about it being a disorder uh -huh. or a mental con condition, or I'm sorry, a medical condition. Okay. But also mental, yes. Um. It is an illness. Oh. Okay. So I want to make that clear. This is an illness. It is a psychiatric disorder, therefore, it is a medical diagnosis. Okay. Okay. Um, it falls under paraphilic disorders, which can be, I mean, so many different things, you know, um, voyeurism, um, um, I don't know. There, it, there's just a lot there, so okay. I'm sure you can get, kind of get all the ideas from that. But anyways, so it falls under that, okay. and it is, like I said, a psychiatric disorder. So it is a, it's, it is a medical condition, I guess, in short. Okay. Refer to it that way, right? Yeah. Um, the brain is different. I mean, they have looked at, and I don't know the depth of this, but they have looked at brain scans, okay, of mm -hmm. uh, uh, people who suffer from pedophilia. Really? And they found that their brains look different. No way. I did not yeah. know that. Yes. And, you know, a lot of times brain scans are used to look at different mental disorders. So you'll find somebody 
you know, with ADHD and their brain scan might look different. You'll even find brain scans that will look different amongst um, males and females. Oh, okay. So it can really be telling. I think we just don't talk about it enough or add it, um, you know, to, I guess, you know, the research that's out there enough. Okay. Um, Okay, so now there was a second part of that, the sexual orientation piece. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That one is loaded, I know. Um, Yeah. Here's the thing. If we look at the definitions of sexual orientation, which, by the way, you might even find different definitions. And I also think that's something that continues to evolve over time. Okay. Okay. But if you look up a couple basic ones um, that you might look online that's out there or by the American Psycho- uh, Psychological Association. Mm-hmm. So the American Psychological Association, I think they define it as an enduring pattern of emotional, romantic, and or sexual attractions to men, women, or both sexes. Mm. Okay. Now, another definition you'll find out there, a person's identity in relation to the gender or genders to which they are sexually attracted. Okay. Okay. So, when I say those definitions, does that sound like pedophilia fits in there, right? Mm -hmm. And the answer is probably not because... um, uh, pedophiles are attracted to children and it's not necessarily about gender okay oh, okay they're not attracted to adults it's just the, it's just the, basically the age it doesn't have nothing to do with um if it's a girl or a boy no now could they have preferences in that yeah okay. i think you know people have preferences in many different things right okay, okay. So you want to break it down from person to person okay um, but if, like I said, if we look at that definition, then, then no. Okay. Um, and if we also look at those definitions that, um, being a pedophile or suffering from pedophilia, it's an illness. Okay. Okay. Being heterosexual or homosexual is not an illness. There is nothing wrong with you. If you are heterosexual or homosexual. Right. And I know this could vary depending on people's religious beliefs. I get that. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, like I said, I I think all of this is multifaceted, Uh Uh, but at the end of the day, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. So, you know, and there is something wrong if you suffer from pedophilia. Yeah. Now, with that being said, if the definition of sexual orientation has evolved, and maybe it, I know it has to some, and you know maybe some it hasn't, um, and I think this is where some of the controversy also comes into play, is that <laughs> is that it they uh, someone who suffers from this disorder can't help who they're attracted to. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's so ingrained in their brain makeup I guess you could say okay okay so in that sense could it be considered a sexual orientation I guess yeah 
Yeah, okay. Right? You know, so it really just depends on where you're going to look at this from. And I will, you know, and I will say this. I think when we're talking about society in general, you know, and their ideas of, of sexual orientation is more along the lines of what the definitions we were just talking about. Yeah. And so I think sometimes it can get dangerous if we don't know the scope and the depth like we're talking about today exactly because then people are gonna be like wait why I mean so are you saying that you know um you know that's there's something wrong with me too you know because I'm put in this category with someone you know who is a, a pe- you know pedophile um you know it's not the same thing and it excuses you know right excuses their pedophilia Right. Mm-hmm. Or it gives them it gives them permission to say that, you know, um, that maybe there's nothing wrong with them or maybe that, you know, they can't help it, which I, you know, I do agree. I think a true disorder, you, you can't help it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I guess I could go on and on about it because I think there are just so many dynamics to it. Yeah. But I can see it from many different sides. Okay. Gosh, that was, that was, um, I know a lot of people are going to be like breathing in hard right now, <laughs> in and out, but it's yeah, true. Like yeah. it's, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's something that we need to learn. So, okay. Thank you. Um, and the third question, can a pedophile be treated? Since it's a mental disorder, um, can he, that person be treated? So the answer to that is can it be treated? Yeah, like can or it can be a like a, yeah, can yeah. Tr- can, can you try to treat it? Sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, is there treatment out there? Yes. Um, a lot of times it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, there's also medication sometimes that's used to decrease the levels of testosterone. Okay. Right. Um. Can it be cured? My answer to that is no. And I think a lot of individuals answer to that is no, maybe with the exception of some, I don't know. Um, the, the main goal is to decrease their urges, right? Those sexual urges towards children and try to find other places to put it like maybe in healthy adult relationships or to repress them completely if that's even possible um so that's why you know sometimes medication might be used there um and then the other thing the whole you know it's not wanting them to act upon these urges Mm -hmm. you know so i don't know if that really answers your question well but no yeah it's it's the truth it's yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. And, and the, you know, and I can, if I can add to that, okay. that would be great. So with that being said, treatment can be pretty expensive, and they have done studies on this. And, you know, they do find that treatment can help. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how, how substantial those numbers are, though, because treatment can be long and expensive and so um for people to actually go through treatment i think you know the numbers are lower than they should be 
um, because of that. And, you know, and the other thing is who does seek treatment, you know? That's true. Because they don't feel like they have nothing wrong with them or... Well, some do and some don't, right? Okay. So again, there's a whole scope here. I mean, some people might might feel ashamed or, you know, they know what's wrong and they have these urges. And so sometimes you'll even find them self-medicate with, you know, alcohol or something. Um, others don't understand that it's wrong. Like okay. they know they tell, they know that someone's telling them that it's wrong yeah but because they don't get it it's like wow this is natural this you know this is how I feel I don't understand why something is wrong with this you know and um I think when when that's the case the treatment prognosis for that is very gloom mm, yeah yeah you know you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped yeah well, they don't think it's wrong. So yeah. how can you help someone if they don't believe it to be wrong? That's true. They yeah. haven't come to their senses to that one. Okay. Right. Okay. Is a pedophile more? Is pedophilia more common among men or women? So it's going to be way more common amongst men, right? That's not being said that it can't happen in women. It can't. The numbers are just much. I mean, they're very, very small for women. So okay. the majority are going to be men. Okay. Yeah. And the percentages, I've seen a couple of different percentages out there. And I, I mean, they're not even, um, I, I just think that pedophilia, it, it's more common than uh, reported, okay. you know? So that's all. And I don't know. And when I say common, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, there are more people out there with this disorder than we know because not everybody is um, seeking the help. help for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is um our we, we already talked about this, but you know, just a quick little answer. Um, are pedophiles typically attracted to children of the opposite sex, same sex, or no particular pattern? We already went through this a little earlier, but you know, just to give a quick answer for this one. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, I wish I knew more exactly about these specifics uh -huh. um my assumption and understanding as where it stands right now with the information that i have um and i know there's much more information out there okay is that you know it's like a a preference okay it, you just you know it depends on the person okay right so yes no maybe kind of a deal yeah okay so my next question i don't know if uh there was a controversy of the law that passing by for the um um uh the gay community the homosexuality community and um in in, in your profession i know you also went through this but i just wanted to put it out there in your professional opinion is pedophile linked to his homosexuality or is it they're just stereotyping uh there is no link whatsoever. That's a whole bunch of bullshit. Thank you. I'm just going to say it out loud. Thank you. It goes back to what I said before. Yes. There is nothing wrong with you. Yeah. If you are attracted to men, women, both, there is nothing wrong with you. That is not an illness. Okay. Again, pedophilia is a psychiatric disorder. It is an illness. Right, the brain is abnormal. Yeah. Being homosexual 
is normal. Just like being heterosexual is normal. Okay. I'm glad you cleared that up because a lot of people were linking them together. Yes. And that is... damn offensive yeah I know I know I have my friends that got offended and I'm like I don't know why they're doing I I think it's it's a lack of um, ignorance that they don't know but they were putting that out there and I just want to clarify that to all the audience I mean you know we all make mistakes we all assume things that are not true but we're that's why we're bringing this to life to you guys so we could be corrected it's okay to be corrected and now we know right now we know so we cannot link them together no more well, we shouldn't be. And I and I think just to add to that is that um, like a true pedophile is attracted to children. Therefore, being homosexual doesn't apply. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah. So again, th- those are uh, that's it's different. It has nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, the only piece that we could think about in terms of um, whom someone is, is sexually attracted to, then, you know, it goes back to the argument and controversy around the idea of sexual orientation. So if the, like I said, if the definition of sexual orientation evolves, um, DSM-wise, you know, um, American Psychological Association-wise, then then maybe it would fit under it, you know, from a medical perspective. Okay. I don't know. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, is there an age when a pedophile begins to feel attracted towards a child? Or is there an age, actually? So, let's see. Um, I don't know the specifics off the top of my head. I we could look in the DSM um, later about that. Okay. But what I do know is that, uh, gosh, I think they do not quote me on this, okay. but it's possible that they need to be over age 13. Okay. And there's another rule in there in terms of diagnosis as well. Um, so I'll have to, you know, I'm going to, I'm, look into that a little bit more and see what that age is okay okay yeah. all right um let me see where are we at okay number eight do pedophiles give out any type of characteristic traits that parents could look out for like do 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 you know a little bit of okay it's that they're acting this way or you know giving this vibe i don't know um is there something that parents could look out for so I know this question, I mean, I'm a parent too, mm-hmm. and I think about these things myself, you know, um, and not necessarily just from um, a psychotherapist perspective, but like from a parenting perspective, you know, like who, who's my child with? What are they doing? Yeah. Here's the thing. A pedophile is amongst you and I, right? I mean, they're, right. they look normal. They can look normal. They can act normal. Right you would never know yeah you know so I think at the end of the day as caregivers as parents um as neighbors as community members you know we need to look out for 
our children and keep a close eye on them, mm-hmm. know where they're where they are at, where they're going. Um, you know, because now because of my profession and working with a lot of children and adults who have suffered uh, abuse, mm-hmm. sexual abuse, I was always very anxious, you know, with my daughter staying the night anywhere. I would ask if they have older siblings, um, mainly brothers, um, you know, if, if the mom's always going to be there, you know, so my daughter rarely stayed the night anywhere. Yeah. Um, always kept an eye on her. So, and the other thing too is that, um, Rosa, I hope I can add this in. Go for it. For you okay that just because someone suffers from being a pedophile mm-hmm. does not necessarily mean that they are a child molester oh okay okay so there there's a difference all right um and i and i think that difference needs to be known okay go for it you know so Someone who suffers from pedophilia, it means that they have urges and sexual attraction fantasies, mm-hmm. right? We're not necessarily always saying that they molest children. Okay. Because that, so sexual abuse, molesting children, that's a crime. Right. Okay. So having fantasies sexual attraction urges is not 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 necessarily a crime it's not a crime mm-hmm. right so I, I think that's really important to be known to and not everybody who <clears throat> who molests children is a uh suffers from pedophilia okay what? pedophilia excuse me pedophilia uh you know because Somebody who abuses children may not even be attracted to them. It might mean that they are trying to be in control or in power. Maybe they have sexual needs and the person there is a child. I mean, there's just, there's, um, there are a lot of reasons, you know, and it, like I said, it's just not, doesn't always mean that because the, or that someone is a pedophile. Okay. Basically, that's. Like, if they're not a pedophile and they did that to a child, that's basically rape. Yeah, I mean, right, right. I mean, you know, I mean, is it fondling? You know, is it actual penetration? I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, different degrees of this. And all of them are torturous to children. Let's just be very frank and clear. And Uh it's a crime. Yeah. And. you know, there there was a quote by Blanchard, and I liked this quote. Um, It was, child molesters are defined by their acts. Pedophiles are defined by their desires. Mm. That gives us a better description of either or. Uh Because when you think about a pedophile, you automatically think, oh, they're going to rape my child. Uh Uh-huh. But, right, and yeah, that's where you go. And honestly, it, it could be true or yeah. it may not be. Yeah, okay. Right. All right, that's and, something new, okay. And there are some pedophiles out there who have spoken openly about, you know, them having the urges or the desires 
but have never or never would act on them. I, I don't know, you know, um, uh, the truth to all of that. I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't specialize in this work. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I'm just giving you just a little bit that I know. Right. So, yeah, you know, someone who specializes in it might know a little bit more about that. But, I, you know, I do know that that's out there. Okay. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, about rape, Rosa, and I know that's really hard to even think about, mm-hmm. um, especially against a child, you know, and even an adult, is that rape, you know, so that's a crime. Mm-hmm. being committed against somebody right a viol- it's a violent crime okay but the weapon that is used is sex mm-hmm. right so if someone is you know um, if someone has raped a child that is a violent crime mm-hmm. and sex is the weapon and that may or may not be a person who is a pedophile okay okay all right yeah and it's hard to say out loud you know i'm a parent and i think maybe that's why i don't specialize in this work. i know that will break my heart um, every day yeah yeah but, you know that this is the reality and i do and i love that you're doing this because i i think that it's it's really um difficult yeah but also important for people to understand a little bit more about this disorder exactly yes that's why i really wanted to do this um and thank you for being brave to do it with me (laughs) so yeah yeah and is anything else any other questions yeah um just for the children uh regarding the children now okay we breathe in people come on let's breathe in breathe out now we're gonna talk about the children i know breathe in breathe out too yeah because that was that was tough and especially to deliver those answers that people are feeling uncomfortable or don't like want to hear it but it's the truth you know so right okay so what are the signs or symptoms kids demonstrate when they have been uh sexually abused okay so, you know, that's a really good question. It's also a question that it's hard to necessarily nail down. Okay, right? so you can't pinpoint one thing. Um, yeah, no, there's that's the thing. It's like I could tell you 20 different things, okay. right? Um, so, um, you know, children can have, you know, and obviously this is also age-bearing too. Okay. Um, but they can feel hopeless. There's depre- there could be depression, there could be anxiety, um, worthless thoughts of themselves. Uh, an- another thing too is you know to, to actually be aware of is when kids um, know more about sex than other kids that are their age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how do they know so much about sex? You know, that's yeah. definitely a, a red flag. Yeah. Um, you know, genitalia that has pain or itchiness right um you know school challenges they might withdraw or they might become more angry um so behavioral changes self-harm lack of confidence uh shutting down um oh you know they could have they could even have encopresis which is you know soiling themselves Mm -hmm. um you know, so it, like I said, it, it's a whole big gamut of things that, okay. that can can occur in children who have been 
and or being sexually molested. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So m- my next question, is there a long-term effect on a child who has been sexually abused? Uh, yes. Okay. Definitely. Right. And <clears throat> there's, it's, so we, we, we don't, you're not going to get so deep into this piece because, um, there, you know, there can be a lot to talk about in terms okay. of post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD. Okay. Right. Because this creates trauma in the brain. And with this trauma, there can be life long effects and so you know for a lot of people to um, do work and treatment around the, the PTSD or the, the around the trauma um, can really be helpful but, but also with that being said you know people it can affect them in so many different ways um, it can hurt them developmentally mm-hmm. um, you know pro- uh, problems in their relationships um, romantic relationships, you know, um, their sex lives can be abnormal. Okay. Um, you know, just their ability to cope in life can be really challenging. And some of these pieces that I even mentioned for children themselves, depression, anxiety, feeling worthless, um, lack of confidence, angry, shut down, you know, those pieces can also exist long-term into adulthood. Okay. You know, and people who have been sexually molested, I, you know, that maybe they would, you know, maybe they could continue that pattern. You know, some do and some absolutely do not. Okay. Um, it's, it, do the, does the child know it's wrong? So... In short, with that answer, I mean, there's also an, you know, age factor, I think, sometimes in that. Okay. Um, But, um, you know, even if a child doesn't quite understand that it's wrong because they just don't know any better, right? Uh You know, because there's that innocence of the mind Uh um, that's that's being taken advantage of. They're not developmentally prepared for that okay so even if they're not understanding it does a lot of damage and harm Mm. okay okay Um, they just don't have the developmental capacity okay um so what advice would you give a a parent sorry i was just gonna say developmental or physical i want to make that clear okay i'm sorry about that but go ahead Okay, sorry. Um, what tips or advice uh, do you want to give parents and how to talk to children regarding this? Like, so they could be aware, like, hey, if somebody's talking to you, you know what I mean? Like, um, what, how, how would we, we as parents would go about it? Like, well, I, I think it comes down to what we were talking about before, too. You know, wanting to keep our children safe, knowing where they're at, what they're doing. Okay. And, you know, the, so what goes along with that Rosa is that 90% of kids who are sexually molested are by people that they know. Wow. Okay. So be careful turning the corner, you know, yeah. who's watching your kid. Yeah. It could be anybody. Okay. All right. Um, and you know, we, and I, 
think too, one of the important pieces to answer your question here is that we, we do our best to keep lines of communication open with our kids, you know, so we don't overreact to things when they come and tell us things, you know, so it sets us up for, um, better communication in the future if something were to go wrong right okay, so they perfect. feel more comfortable to come to you yes you know so that's gonna be, that's huge because you want your kids to talk to you exactly yes uh-huh. yeah. so that just comes along with parenting in general mm-hmm. you know um, as preventative measures as well right mm-hmm. and another piece too is to teach your kids what things are called like that is my penis. That is my vagina. Because kids who know what their genitalia is called are better able to um, communicate about it. Okay. And there, there, there are even some. I don't know if they're findings or generalizations, ideas. I don't know. Okay. So you could look into that um, or anybody who's listening to this could look into it. They find that kids that can identify their genitalia in that way might be less likely to be molested because, um, you know, the person might be a little bit more fearful that they would go and tell because Mm, they know that someone was trying to you know touch their vagina or their penis or you know and they're and and they know what those things are called and yeah. I think a lot of times as parents we're we say different things you know right like, I don't know people have names for things you know, know. or <laughs> to make it cute or words. yeah uh, yeah they use baby words so I think that's that's something that we also you know we need to think about as parents to just call it what it is right yeah that's yeah. true because nobody wants to be uh told oh my god you know she's gonna rat on me or something yeah that's true right yeah right. and let kids know that their body is their own yeah that's their body you know um sometimes too i might kind of be going off on a tangent but um you know how kids you're like go go and give someone a hug you know yeah sometimes kids don't want to yeah and we're like no don't do it and you think they're being rude or ill-mannered uh-huh. guess what it's their body they don't want to give a person a hug they don't have to that's true it makes a person's a kid or sometimes they, feel uncomfortable they shouldn't have to is what i'm saying yeah you know and i've been the parent before i'm like oh give so-and-so a hug you know but if my son is like no i don't want to it's like okay well that's his you know that's his body or my daughter well that's her body yeah you know and we need to respect that personal space and when kids know that we respect that or we teach them how to respect it then they could have stronger boundaries around that that's true that's a good way of looking at yeah i'm glad you said that that's true okay so my last question we're almost there guys (laughs) okay um how can we help a child heal for after the trauma they went through because I feel like uh, everybody says to raise a child takes a community. So I'm not a parent, but if I know someone, a child that went through this trauma, how can I help out, like to help out the parent or them? So do you mean like for, for like if, if a child went through this, and you know you said that it, they're gonna have a long term effect. How can uh-huh. we make it more um, not easier for them, but more um, like the healing process could start, and they won't hold it in and make it worse. 
Yeah, you know, um, I think off the top of my head, again, this might be a bit of a multifaceted um, answer, so I'll try to make it short. Okay. You know, children need to feel protected and taken care of. Yeah. And when something like this happens, it violates all of that. And so to be able to pick up the pieces, there needs to be um, reassurance in that way. And that takes a lot of work. Okay. And so, you know, getting them that professional support is also important too. But also making sure that, you know, the caregiver steps in and does whatever they can to protect them and to know so they know that they are taken care of and they are put first because so many times kids can come forward and not be believed or ignored parents go in denial i mean i've i've seen this in my practice i've had kids come out to their parents um when they're adults and the parents just don't want to listen i've had adult clients come in and tell me about experiences when they were younger, you know, when they disclosed um, being molested to their, you know, family members and family members, you know, kind of going, are you sure? Or are you sure, you know, are you sure that's what really happened or wanting to just be in denial? And that's the worst thing you could do exactly because then you don't feel worthy, important, and you're not protected. And at the end of the day, our kids need to know we are there to protect them Mm -hmm. and to take care of them and to support them no matter what and that also goes along with the open communication piece and I think the other piece too is that community as society um, that we need to have more resources for for families and for kids and you know where mental health coverage is just the norm Mm -hmm. and you know, not all families can afford mental health services. And, you know, al- you know, although there are a lot of great clinicians out there working in community mental health, um, it's still not easy to access. Because at the end of the day, I think a child, an individual, a family should be able to go and find the person that they feel most comfortable in working with not a list that they were given yeah okay of covered peoples (laughs) yeah but to be able to really go out there and find the best fit possible to help advocate for them and be there for them and do the best job that they can um and have it be paid for be covered okay you know and i know that that's that's like one of my fantasies but it's really how i feel and you know i think if we were able to do that that could be such a big that could make such a big difference mm-hmm. in addition to the stigma behind getting help exactly yep you know and as a society that's the what we can do to help each other is to start breaking down those stigmas around getting therapy i mean are they happening over time yeah they are but they're still very strong out there you know yeah um 
we're not evolving fast enough and it just exactly. needs to be faster. So yeah. I hope that answers some of your question. It really did. It really did. And I hope you, and I know you, you encourage a lot of people out there that, Hey, if something happened, please come forward. Like, you know, or, or even the, uh, the pedophile, like if you feel like you need help, please come forward. Don't feel ashamed. Like just let's, let's try to help each other out as humans, as a society. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, it's a disorder, and I can imagine for some, you know, it feels pretty awful, um, you know, and others it may not, you know, and I think, too, if we can get more clinicians who specialize in this work and provide more treatment to people who who need it um, and not have it be, you know, so expensive and so to have it more accessible, I mean, could really also you know, at least make a difference, right? you know, a, a, more of a difference. Anyways. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm done with the questions. We're, we're good. We, we got through this guys. <laughs> thank you so much, Kaji. Like, Oh my God, you are a lifesaver. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Like you did awesome. I was just hearing you. I'm like, I'm in love. <laughs> you sound so nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you so much for asking me to do this. Um, you know, it's it's one of, like I said, I'm a parent and a clinician. Uh-huh. And so I'm having to wear both hats as you're asking me these questions. You know, in some ways I'm wanting to stay objective. And right. other ways it can be tough because I'm also, you know, I'm a parent. And um, at the end of the day, I just think the more we understand, the better we can do exactly we can make more of a change than just yeah yeah totally yeah okay guys then i'll be back hey guys welcome back this is your girl lady rose now i am going to do uh have another guest and she's gonna introduce herself welcome back hello everyone i'm thankful to be back my name is felicita payton a very awesome awesome long time friend of your girl here <laughs> what and um <laughs> right well not that long we ain't trying to put out there <laughs> I know. Um, and um i recently became a licensed minister you know um and to my church i'm more like an assistant um pastor right now so awesome. um but you know a leader teacher um just a long time believer you know in yeah. the christian faith yeah and um, i'm thankful to be here today okay awesome so i'm gonna pick your brain because i already interviewed a therapist and i wanted to see the medical terms of our topic but now i want to see the spiritual side of it so we're talking about pedophilia right and um so my first question for you felicita is what is a pedophile what is pedophilia for you as you know in your in your knowledge um just going off my knowledge it's just someone um who has either what you know verbiage wise like a fetish or obsession okay with you know being with children okay um that's that's what my knowledge is okay um so so with that said um what do you think do you think this is a a a medical mental disorder or a spiritual um demon or 
or is it just a sexual orientation they just you know like to that's that's their sexual preferences i i just from and my learnings and just um my teaching and being around so much i feel like so look at it from this way like we're given free will right right god you know does whatever your belief is from my belief and and what i grew god does not force you to love him right right so he gives you free will Mm -hmm. to do whatever you're going to do but he has laid out a platform of his word of what consequences are when you do right and you do wrong exactly yeah and I look at this as in two parts. Okay. So one part, I truly believe in my heart that it is spiritual. Okay. And that it's of demonic spirituality. Uh-huh. Like, and the first part meaning, like, I believe that we have influences from both worlds, you know? We know we can hear when someone or something, like some people call it God check or God code, when you're about to do something wrong, you feel it. You know it. Right. You know it's wrong. But then we have something else that allows us to override that. Right. And we do it anyway. Exactly. And in a recent teaching, in a recent study, we were, you know, asking, can a Christian believer be possessed? Right. This is a, a kind of another topic, but it lines up to what you're asking, right? Uh-huh. So, No. A Christian really cannot be possessed, but they can be oppressed. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So when you give your life to God, your spirit man is good. He's taken care of. That's where God is. He's residing there, right? Right. So in the Old Testament, God built us to to work on us from the outside to the inward because we did blood sacrifices in the Old Testament. Right. But now in the New Testament, we are the sacrifice. You get what I mean? Yeah. So now he works from the inward out. Okay. So his spirit man is good. But the places where demonic oppression can be is in your soul. Right. And that's where you open the door. Whether you mess with spiritual things as far as witchcraft, uh, Ouija boards, or you open the door to your eye gate or your ear gate by watching and listening to certain things. Okay. Now, I don't believe that can drastically influence you, but the spirit behind it, depending on what you're being influenced by, can help uh, amplify a thought that was already there. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. So, I feel like the oppression that is placed on people through pain and hurt is what causes some of these things to happen, especially in pedophilia. And then the second part of that is after that, right? So you open the door to something, let's say a trauma happened when they were kids, they were touched, right? They went to therapy. They went, they think they're healed, but the, the demonic spirit attached to that person who hurt them attached itself to the child when they were a child. You get what I mean? Yeah. So even though they went to therapy, they went to the physical stuff, the traumaticness of it and the, the trauma that they endured of that was not taken care of. It wasn't healed spiritually. Yeah, the soul, So they grew up everything. with that and it grew and grew and then that caused 
a lot of these disorders. Right. So then you have the disassociation disorder and you have things where they're not engaging anymore. And then you have things like an introvert, introvert and an extrovert. You got all these things that start happening. Okay. You know, and they become this different person. And that's where I feel it. Then it goes along the lines of a mental illness as well, because you can't force everybody to believe in the spirituality. No, you can't. So I feel like it starts with a traumatic experience and then it allows the, the demonic spirit to influence that person over time okay. through their trauma and pain. And I, I want everyone who's listening to remember this pain doesn't have to be a sexual pain. Right. It could even be a torture um, a severe punishment. Um, it could be verbal abuse. Okay. You know, it could be a witness to rape, to right. a, a sexual act. I feel like these amplify pedophilia. I don't believe no one's born with it. I feel that it's influenced over time through some type of trauma. But if we want to take a quick second to go into the dynamics of you being born with it, then that means there was a transgression. There was there was an inequity that was passed down through the bloodline. So it may not have been their own parents, but maybe their great grandparents. Yeah, like the Bible or says, maybe family their great, great great grandparents committed that act. Yeah, and that demonic again spirit passed itself down through generations to that child right so in that context you know if people want to try to justify like i said i still feel that it's it's a um a demonic spirit that's residing that was passed down through the blood you know line or it's of someone's act that they just you know like we we grow up and we begin to like things fetishes and stuff like that not all are bad and not all are good it depends on what we're looking at. And right now, what we're talking about is not good. You're hurting children. Exactly. And so I feel like if you have the ability to engage in an act like this, where you can witness a kid crying in pain or suffering and still continue, or that might amplify your pleasure then where is that really coming from? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that pedophilia is a sin? Yes, it is. Okay. Because you have to look at it. If we want to look at sins, you're not supposed to have, uh, you're not supposed to do any kind of fornication, correct? Right. And you're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage. Correct. Correct? So if you're engaging in fornication or sexual acts with children how is that justifiable exactly yeah you can't marry a child and even if you do that's you know that's against the law in many countries and states yeah so you're still breaking a law and the bible does say i don't have the scripture right offhand but it does say that we are also to abide the law of the land right so if 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 somebody commits this act and they are, they say, okay, well, uh, let's say somebody out there in the church says, well, we can't judge. What if 
they ask for forgiveness. Do you think if if a pedophile asks for forgiveness, does he still reap what he sows? The sin. Uh, so the Bible says you reap what you sow. Right. The Bible says that very clear. You shall reap a harvest, you know, in due time. Right. So God is the only judge. Right. On that level of like someone coming in and doing, who am I? And I'm really strong on this. Who am I to say, you know, that they cannot be forgiven? You know, the beautiful um, explanation of uh, like an answer to this and a beautiful thing is a story in the Bible where they wanted to stone the women for adultery. Right. And everybody was ready to stone her. And Jesus stood up and told them, you know, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Correct. And he went down and started writing in the sand, you know, the dirt. And then he got up and he looked and everybody was gone. So I look at it the same way. Yes, it is wrong. But so is murder. So is rape from adult to adult. Right. All of it is wrong. So if they come in and ask for forgiveness, we cannot stop the forgiveness. Right. We are there to be as Christ-like as we can and to represent God in the right way and to, you know, allow them to receive their forgiveness. Now, we can, you know, be the vessel and say the Lord has pardoned you for your sins and everything. You may go and they get baptized and everything. But it's still, they still have to go through that on judgment day, you know, they say once God forgives you, you sin, he does. But what I'm talking about is if they repeat it. Exactly. Now, if they go back out and repeat it, that's between them and the Lord. Yeah. You know, after you keep asking for forgiveness, 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 and you're still doing the same thing, God's going to start convicting you on that. God's going to start talking to you on that. And if you don't listen, you can go to, you know, about obedience of listening, he, you know, hearing his voice. Mm-hmm. You can go to Deuteronomy chapter 29 and read all about what disobedience will, you know, curses that will happen. Yeah. So it's just so important for us as human beings to realize as hard as it is, no matter what the sin may be, we have to be careful on how we place judgment upon each other because we are not to judge. And even the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Yeah. So the Lord, you know, will do whatever he's going to do. He even says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Yeah. So, you know, I feel that even in those cases, that's when we're really tried in our tribulation like Job was. And it is up to us to keep our integrity when someone of this particular sin asks for forgiveness. Yeah. But that's if he really repents, though. Yes. And like I said, someone can repent with their mouth. But remember, the Bible also says everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will not be up there. Yeah, in exactly. The heavens. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's like they can repent. They can say that and they can go back out and do the same crime. It's it's on them. Yeah. You know, we just shouldn't alienate them or stop them justice will be served and even if we feel like justice is not served you know if you're a believer and you truly believe with all your heart and you have faith he will never leave you nor forsake you 
And I want to say this really quick. A lot of times on subjects like this, even in death, people are really quick to automatically say, well, God, if you're in control, why would you let this happen? Right. Why would you do this? And we have to remember very strongly, especially as believers, with all our heart to strongly remember he does not control the actions of man. Yeah. He gives us a choice. And when we walk with him, we are to do our best to represent him. But the actions of what we allow to happen and what we do to others is on us. Right. He, we're not puppets, you know? Yeah. He's, he's not in our head saying, do this, do that. Now, some people will um, blasphemy his name and say they're doing it. Because God told them. And I think that's where they have gone out of the spiritual relationship with God into religion. Exactly. And into cult. Yeah. And into those boundaries. And I don't believe they're hearing God anymore, but they're hearing the devil. Yeah. And they're confusing the two because they feel, again, I'm a believer. I cannot be possessed which is true, but the enemy can oppress you yeah. and we forget that teaching. Exactly. So do you feel, do you not feel, but do you, uh, what do you think that can a pedophile be healed from this type of, you know, spirit? If they truly repent, right. If God can heal the blind and bring Lazarus from the dead after his body was stinking, it wasn't just like he had just died like a few hours. Yeah. We're talking about he was dead. Was dead, dead. Yeah. He was like, he was like gone. And he brought him back. He can heal anybody, but they got to do the work. Exactly. I think that's where we forget as believers. So I'm not going to put any words in anyone's mouth, but I know God saved us um, um, each. You know, you're my sister in Christ from something we may have went through in our life. Yeah something we may have suffered and when we came to him you know what did he do you know what i mean what yeah. did he do for us he helped us yeah he helped us and he brought us through but we had to put in the work mm-hmm. we're team we had teammates to, yes we had to be in the word we had to go to church we had to really you know ask for his guidance ask for his help um be strong in our repentance and ask him to fill us up Mm -hmm. and in our hard times i I feel when you do all those things and you're plugged in like he says stay connected to the vine um my my goddad always tells me that stay connected to the vine it's easier for you not to fall back but god the beautiful thing about it is and having a relationship with him he meets you where you're at okay so i I feel it can it they can be healed but it takes work just like a drug addict Mm -hmm. just like um you know an ex you know con yeah a gangster someone who's really you gotta put in the footwork yeah okay 
All right, so I have a question because since we're speaking of that this is a spirit, and I remember one time I was talking to one of my sisters about, you know, being controlled, that, oh, that's the devil controlling or or something like that. I, rem- I forgot what, what the conversation was, but she said, so the devil made him do it. And, and, and I told her, no, the devil influences you, but then in the end, you have the last choice. So since we're saying that this is a spirit that is oppressing or, 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 um, influencing the person, the person has the final say of their act, right? So what do you, do you agree with that? Or do you agree that, oh, they're the devil give the devil all the credit and the man the, or the woman the person you know they didn't have no control i don't feel the give the devil um full credit okay because either one could be your father right yeah god can either be your father or the devil right. you depend on who your daddy's gonna be every day you wake up exactly now when it says not able to control i do feel that this is where the mentality comes in, mental illness. If you are possessed, now remember, this is for the believer, the believer who's accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior and and is in him and he's dwelling in him, cannot be possessed. But if you're not a believer in God and you have no belief in anything, you can be possessed. Yeah. And on that level and on that occasion, I feel like there are certain instances where you can fully be in like influenced where you can't control it you hear about people doing things that they don't remember you hear about things and i feel like honestly that is when your your spirituality is so far out of control even the the ones that are in these you know Catholic, Christian, you know, different God, godly beliefs and who are doing these as well. That is not God. Oh, the, the, you're talking about the priests raping the kids? Different, yeah, different, even Christians that just go to the church that do things like this, that you hear about anyway. Not that I have any experience in that, but I'm just saying like, you know, we we hear the news, we hear the news, we know what's going on. Yeah, we hear the news. Yeah. So in those instances, and they're saying they don't, I I do at the end of the day feel like you have the last say. Now, it crosses the line, though, where mental illness comes in. And this is where it depends, like, did this person have any kind of social, you know, disassociable, you know, disorders? Um, Did they have multi-personality disorders? Did they have schizophrenia? You got to look at all that too because people who are schizophrenic or multi-personality disorders, they don't even know what they're doing time to time Yeah. when they change people. So add that to the spiritual aspect of demonic oppression or um, possess, possession, it, it, really, it really is hard. It really is hard to put that on there. But I do feel strongly in my heart, strongly, that when you are at the age of knowing and not knowing good, right or wrong, which is usually around 14, I really feel in my heart that you do know what's right and wrong. Yeah. And after a while, your own morals and values, even if you grew up by yourself, you start realizing because you know how you feel. 
Yeah. You know what you don't want to be treated, how you want to be treated, and how you don't want to be treated. When a person can say, I don't want to be treated like this, then they have an, an idea of what's right and wrong because they feel offended. Yeah. So I feel like it's really hard to say. Again, this is just my personal opinion is that at the end of the day, you do have a choice unless there are some really severe cases of underlining issues. And if that's the case, not only do you need healing, deliverance, and prayer, you also need to make sure you are seeking medical help and you're like that. But I feel like that gives the enemy room Uh to make this acceptable if that makes sense it makes it a norm and this is not a norm no it's not yeah it's very and um, i feel like with the saying oh medical condition oh this we're making it a norm and it's not yeah so i feel like we do have a say i feel like we have the strength to say what's right or wrong because if somebody tries to come and hurt us we don't mind people don't mind making other people the victim but they don't like to be the victim themselves. Right. So if what we, if, if pedophilias had what they do to kids done to them, would they be able to handle that? Exactly. Yeah. Is where you look at it. So it's kind of like we have a choice. They have a choice whether to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to, to fall into the act of sin or just, you know, overcome it. So we all do have a choice. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm glad you're bringing this up. So, and I'm also glad that you said about the family curses because that does happen. The Bible clearly says that it could be down even to the fourth generation. So, yeah. So I, from, I've, I've seen it, you know, happening, you know, and people, the, the sad part is people put it under the rug so much that it's hidden that it's it's become a norm like oh you can't say nothing what the family's gonna say about us or whatever but you have to expose it like now once again i want to um uh say this we're not trying to justify the pedophile we're trying to explain to you the behind the scenes of who this person is so so you could understand it so we need to make uh, we need to unveil those type of people so we can make a change right yes and so this is why we're trying this is why i'm trying to expose it i'm not trying to excuse it i'm trying to expose it so bear with us people breathe in breathe out i know you're mad because you know i when i hear pedophilia i I get upset like oh you better receive jesus because you're gonna meet him tomorrow you know like if it was up to me i think they, they should all die I personally think death penalty, you know, receive Jesus all you want, but you cannot be on earth. That's the way I see it. My <laughs> personal experience, right? Like, I just like, I, I don't like that stuff because especially since we have nieces and you have daughters, like we, we cannot, we don't like those type of people around, you know, but you know, we're, we're just trying to explain to you guys the, the behind the scenes of what these people go through. It's, it's, People describe it, it's a mental disorder, and some people describe it as a spirit, as a spirit, you know, oppressing them. So, you know, just to give you a field of what these people are. Anyway, so now I'm going to jump to the next questions, okay? And it's about the children now. Okay, so um, do you 
do you feel that um or do you think have you have you ever worked with a child that has been or an adult that tells you later on oh yeah i was molested as a child have you ever encountered people like that yes okay can can sadly right in my immediate family yeah mine too and we didn't even find out about it until we were adults and that pissed me off so much yeah and you know um i'm not gonna say who Uh uh-huh I have to respect that, but it it sucks. And we're all human. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I would love for your viewers to remember during this conversation is that we are very strong believers in Christ, but we are both human beings. Yeah. So we are giving our best, you know, neutral, spiritual understanding and aspect we're both sharing the Bible. We're both looking at this, but at the end of the day, it sucks. Yeah. Because these kids are traumatized for the rest of their life. Yes. And I want to give a quick, I don't remember the show. I don't remember the name, but it was something that I watched. I thought it was really cool. And it was about magic and stuff at one point in my life. It, it just looked neat, you know, and this was not too far on, maybe a couple years ago maybe even a year ago and it just looked neat and i was watching it with my son who's 14 and you know he was just like oh mom look and i said i want you to learn some things off this so we were looking at because i wanted him to see what kind of spirituality is this bad good you know are you saying what i'm saying and through the whole thing it was about these kids who were in college and they could do magic and everything and they were trying to find this one character this one specific person um that was dangerous and turned up worlds and everything it became really dark and eerie and i was like what is going on so i ended up telling my son he's not allowed to watch it but i finished it and what was crazy is that at the end of this the guy who was the scariest guy and tearing up worlds and going through dimensions and all just horrible things was abused and they took us back and basically the caretaker that he was left at he was left at this school and this man would drug the girl who was like a sister to him not really blood sister right but would drug him and lean this boy over a counter and rape him oh my god and he used to want to go with her when she would disappear in this magical thing you know yeah and she didn't know what was going on nobody knew except for the caretaker's um the it was the man who was a caretaker and his sister and the sister used to blame the kids it's your fault he's like this it's your fault right yeah so this was an older gentleman that was hurting him then that boy is the one who became that evil guy running through the dimensions yeah but he was raped as a kid by this guy who was pretty much a pedophile because he only messed with kids okay now the history to that guy is he was hurt you see what happened yeah. and it was like nobody knew the backstory of why this guy was being evil and come to find out he was raped as a kid for all these years and he, he didn't have no outlet he didn't have nobody to talk to yeah so when he became an adult he killed the guy and then he became an evil guy mm. and at the end of it he ended up receiving healing like he ended up realizing he could choose to be good 
and something like that. He turned into butterfly. I don't remember. It was it was crazy. But it opened my eyes to what you just said. That's why I wanted to kind of quickly share that. Okay. The moment that I had is what you just shared. We don't know the backstory. It could be all different types of reasons why people become who they become. Exactly, yeah. And I truly feel most of the time, like 98% of the time, it's because of trauma. Mm-hmm. It's because of something that happened to them. The other 2%, I feel like it's just a choice. It's this, or it goes back to, like you said, it was passed down to generations and generations and generations, and they're just doing something, and they don't understand why they have that spirituality of wanting to do that. Yeah. So, but most of the time, I feel like it's just some severe trauma that happened to them, and they just want to do it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, they say that most people who get hurt become offenders. Yeah. Most people who get raped at a young age become rapists. I and, feel it's the same with pedophilia. And you know, I was seeing, I, I, I was talking to the therapist after we stopped recording and we just got into a, a whole deep conversation. It was so cool. Um, but I, I wanted to share this. Um, I saw this uh, criminal minds investigation, right? I love, I love watching that stuff. I don't know why. So, um, there was a lady, uh, uh, another uh, therapist that said most of the men who become killers, rapists, pedophiles, um, they tend to not be brought up with the father and they also become atheists. So most of them, not most of them, all of them, you know, statistically, they were not raised by a father. It, they had a missing father in the family, and the mo- and the mother was abusive, either uh, with her words or the mother would date different guys. So they saw abusive growing up, and and that creates the man to become a, either an atheist or a, a, a serial killer. And most of them who were interviewed had that same background that's what i'm trying to say so um you know it it, a a person can either you know like how you're describing it right now it it, sometimes um they were raised in an environment that you know hinders them breaks them and makes them into this type of person now, uh, now another t- another percentage can be like we said earlier about the family lineage. You know, like it just happens to be, or like you said right now, it happened to them. Like I had another lady who um, I won't mention her name, but she's a prophet, and she was telling us a story that she will she went to this family house because the child was seeing things like dark things, and she the God told her he's being raped by the brother. And then, so the, she told the mom that, and then she left the house and something told her to go back to that house. And then when she went back to that house, it was revealed to her, God revealed to her, and the dad is raping the oldest son. So it was going on and on. The dad raped the oldest son and the uh, oldest son raped the youngest brother. So it was done to them and they passed it down. So there's a lot of like, you know, things that is going on behind closed doors that it builds a person to be evil like that like even yeah. more like it's crazy that when you when you were telling me that story that it reminded me of that you know testimony that that lady was sharing with us and it just it was mind-blowing and 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 the crazy part is 
the therapist said 90% of the time, it's someone you know, someone close to you that does this to the children. And that's where it truly, it truly, truly, truly sucks on a level that I cannot explain. Yeah. Like, I want to cry. Me too. I, oh my God, yes. Because, when it comes to children, um, yeah. It, it sucks. And, and you know what's really serious about this subject? Something you brought up. Huh. I am a single mother. Okay. I'm a single mother of five. Two adopted, three I gave birth to, and one of them is a son, and he's 14. Right. I do not believe that statistic to the fullest. Right. If you do parenting as best as you can. Yeah. And I mean, as in, as a mother, yes, I get lonely. As a mother, a single parent, I wish things would have worked out with my ex, you know? Yeah. Different things come into your head, but it is so, 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 so important that we do not run rampant with our emotions. Yeah. Where we allow, and I said this when I was with you last time in the interview, and it was so awesome that your brother-in-law had a good conversation with me. And it is so true. You cannot let anybody come in and out of your life. Mm -hmm. When I date or when I had dated, I do not let them around my children. I tell them about my children. They're not allowed to meet my children until I know it might be even serious. Yeah. And even then, you keep your house, I keep mine. Exactly, yeah. You do not come over. I have a standard that is very strong and very high for the fact that you can't trust nobody these days. You can't even trust your own family. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very strict with who I allow my kids to be around, who I even bring around. And I really believe that is true. When, you have, when you're a single mom and you let men come in and out of your house, mm-hmm. you're traumatizing everybody, not yeah. just the boys. And that's why I feel like single moms or single dads really need to get a control of their stuff. Yeah. I'm not judging anybody, but you really have to get a control of your emotions. Yeah. And that feeling the need to be like, oh, I need somebody. I have to have somebody. I need to be happy too. Yeah. Your kids are important. Yeah. It's kind of like it's not about you no more. It's about the safety of your children now. Exactly. And nowadays... Just from your thing you just said, you no longer have to worry about just your little girls. You yeah. have to worry about your boys, too. Yeah, yeah. It's not just that. And I feel like when you do that and when you are open with your kids, you're able to speak, like, you know, to them on a different level. I'm very open with my son about things that's going on around the world. Yeah. I let him know. You know what I seen on the news today, son? A 15-year-old cousin raped his 7-year-old little cousin. Wow. How does that make you feel, son? And he's like, that's gross. That is mean. That is mess. She's a kid. She's a baby. You know? Yeah. It's important to stop letting schools, media, and TV shape the sexuality of our children. Mm-hmm. 
Because when you do that, you don't allow them to have a say on how they feel. You shut them up. And if you are being verbally abusive, mentally abusive and everything, that just aids to it. You know, and it's so important to, I just want to stress this because, again, everybody feels that they're doing their best. Right. It is so, so important for us to, to really be repentive every day. Exactly, yeah. So, a quick example. If I'm, you know, doing homework, I'm in college still going towards my PhD, right? So, my kids are on Zoom. I'm on Zoom. And I have to be a mother of the, like, I still got to cook, clean, you know? Now, if I'm, they're saying something, they're trying to get my attention, and I'm like, you guys, please stop. Yeah. I will quickly stop myself right there, and I will say, I am so sorry. So sorry. Please forgive mom. I know everybody is upset and uh, like tired or I know we're all trying to get through this. Mommy is so sorry. And then I will stop and I say, just give me mommy a quick second, please. And then I will stand there and I will pray and say, Lord, forgive me. Please help me be a better mother right now. Please help me have more patience. Give me some guidance. Give me some wisdom. I am so sorry, Lord. And then right when I do that, I turn around and say, what is it that you guys needed? Mommy's just trying to do that. This is really important. Can you guys give mommy like five more minutes or this? And everybody's attitude changes. Yeah. They, they're babe, they're able to connect with you, have a communication with you. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's and what doing, you want. Exactly. And doing things like what I do in my household, I think is good for couples and single parents. I do family meetings. Okay. Let's sit down. And in that family meeting, you can yell, scream, cuss, talk, holler, everything you need to do to get out your feelings. Mm-hmm. There's no judgment. There's no repercussions. There's no timeout. There's no nothing. And then when everybody's done having their say, we all sit there and we look at each other and we say, now what can we do better next week to help you have a better week or to be better towards you? Yeah. How can we work this out? Because at the end of the day, yes, all your children have their own personalities. Yeah. All your children are their own people. But guess what? They all live in the same house. Mm-hmm. They're all underneath the same roof. And I feel like what I do, I have a 25-year-old. You know, I tell my son, if there is something you just are not feeling down to tell mom, please tell her. And and he will. You know, and then she'll tell me and we'll talk about it. And then I'll sit down and talk to him about it. Yeah. And let him know that he could do that. But when you're also a single mom, I am thankful that I have my dad who's alive. So my son is blessed with his grandparent. I co-parent with his biological dad, you know. Um, but even before then, he has my dad, which is his grandpa. He has his own goddad. Then he has my goddad, which is the pastor of my church. He has men influence. And I'm really big on my son talking to my dad all the time. Yeah. You better call grandpa. Man, you got some boy issues, you better talk to grandpa. Yeah. And I'll just play <laughs> with him, you know? Yeah. Or I'll say, you better talk to your goddad. You know? And so he has that. And it's better to have just those two if you have them. And as a mother, you have those relationships with your dad and things like that. And it's a healthy relationship. It's better to do that than to say, I need a man in my son's life. Yeah. God will send you a man in your kid's life if you have a son. Or even if you have daughters. Because there are things that 
men can teach your daughters that women cannot. But don't be so quick to just pick up anybody. Yeah, because you don't know that just anybody. You don't know. Yeah. And don't let your kids hug and kiss on everybody. I am very sure. My daughters, this is their own brother, are not allowed to hug my son below the waist. My son is almost six feet tall. Yeah. I remind my son, bend down and hug your sisters. So they're not bumping into anything. Yeah. Or they're not getting used to hugging right there. Yeah. You know, or hugging on your leg near your private area. You have to teach your kids boundaries. Yeah. Good touch, bad touch. And let them know that no one is allowed to hurt them. Not even mommy. Not even daddy. Yeah. It's important to have those conversations because, you know... Sometimes back then, nobody would say anything. They, they yeah. would just stay quiet. Oh, go hug Theo, go hug this. And what if that Theo's being cochino or something, you know? For reals. And that's another thing. One of my daughters, um, somebody said, come give me a hug. And she said, no. And they were like, that's rude. I said, no, it's not. She has a choice if she wants to hug you or not. Yeah. You are not going to guilt trip her, manipulate her into feeling like she needs to do anything like that. If she does not want to give you a hug and kiss, that is her right. Yep. And a lot of people are standoffish about that, but I'm like, no, we have made it a norm to make our kids hug and kiss people. That is not okay. Yeah. Because that makes them feel like they have to do something. Yeah. And also teaching your kids when they're having an emotional breakdown, do not allow, especially when they're little, by the time they're 14, 15, it's hard to break them out of certain habits. Right. But when they're little and you're bringing them up, don't allow them to run into a secret place. Don't allow them to go underneath the table. Don't allow them to go in the corner because they're feeling bad. No, you pull them out and say, what is wrong? Yes. Even when they're three. I have a three-year-old. My youngest is three. And when she has a breakdown, she wants to run into the corner. I'm like, uh-uh, no. Come talk to mommy. What's going on? There is no secret place in the house. No. What's going on? I'm glad you matter? said that. Who I'm did it? so glad you well, said what's that. What's happening? You wonder yeah. why that's so important? Because when they go to school, or by the time they get older, somebody can whisper to them, come in the secret place. It's safe over here. It's okay. Yeah. And you groom them. You groomed your own child to accept that. I teach my kids that the secret place is not a good place. It's a bad place. Yeah. Like, going and trying to hide and all that is not, no, no, we're not doing that. You got to come talk to mommy or talk to big sister or talk to brother. You talk about your feelings. Why are you mad? Why are you upset? Let me give you a hug. You are loved. You do matter. Yeah. You know, and it's important that we fill up our kids so they're not being filled up by somebody else. Yeah. Because then they, they, they feel like nobody's going to believe me, nobody cares, and then that drags them more into a p- darker place. And that's where the enemy really has a field day with them. Exactly. So, in your in your spirituality opinion, how do you think we can help these children that went through this trauma heal? Love them. Love them. As God loves us. Let them know that no matter what someone else tried to do to them, they are not tainted. They are not worthless. And that we love them no matter what. Yeah. And that 
we will get through it with them together. And I have this, like I said, I can't say too much, but I'm speaking from immediate experience, not something from my hurt. Yeah. And this is coming from my own trauma, my own pain as a child. And what I've experienced um, as a mother from some of my adopted children. And you can pour love into them. And when I say we have a choice of who we're going to become, if someone hurts us, we do. Um, I chose to be different. I chose not to be my abuser. And I chose not to hurt. I chose to love. I chose to nurture. I chose to be the best mother that I could possibly be. Yeah. And I want to say that people have a choice. And when your experiences, whether being your family or in your schools or in that, please be patient. Don't be so quick to say you got to get over it. You got to be strong. It's all right. It was done is done. Pour into these kids and fill them up with positive love, not the love of presents or here you go, the good job, like you deserve this. We have to become more aware of our, our wording mm-hmm. and just let them know, no, you know, I got this. I was able to get this for you. I just wanted you to have it. And I love you and and this it's going to be okay. And just let them feel. We have become a world where we don't want nobody to feel anything except for what we say to feel. Mm-hmm. Do as I do, not as I say. Yeah. Jump. Kick, move, run. Not take the time and say, how do you feel? So when our children say, mom, when you yell at me, or dad, when you yell at me, that hurts my feelings. Stop telling our children, shut up. Yeah. Don't say that. You're. I'm the parent. You're not. It is time for us to say, you know what? I apologize for you feeling that way. Mommy's voice or daddy's voice had to get a little louder because you're not listening. And I need you to listen. Can we listen so I cannot talk that loud? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Because discipline is different from punishment. Yeah. Let's make that clear. Yeah. A lot of punishment is torture. Punishment is pain. Discipline is not. Discipline is supposed to be done in love. Discipline is, I mean, the Bible disciplines us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Bible gives us commandments. That's what discipline is. You give your kids rules. Now, when it crosses the line of hurting them and trying to justify it, no, that is all wrong. You know, abuse is not okay. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we just, you know, honestly, like I said, go back to your question. You know, we just need to be more open with our children. And I feel like that would allow them to feel if they're crying, if they're going through this pain that we can't even imagine, or if we can't imagine, we should be even that more nurturing. Yeah. We have to stop making this as stuffing pills down our kids and sticking them in front of TV and saying that that's going to heal them. Stop letting the social media and things be our kids' parents. Fulfill that hole. Yeah. When they're crying out, do your best to help. Reach out to your community if you have to. You know? Um, you seek counseling. 
if you have that in your family or in your own, you know, I don't know what to do. This happened to my child or to my little cousin or to a foster child that I'm fostering and I just don't know what to do. You receive some guidance on it. Yeah. Seek that help to help them instead of being the next person to shut them out. Yeah. And I feel that that will curb what your statistics um, has showed on what you touched on earlier, the statistics you were talking about. Yeah. Because I truly feel that as long as you have one parent in your corner, you can make it. Yeah. I had my grandma. You know? You can make it. Mm-hmm. We're not all blessed to have two parents. And there are some kids who go without even one parent because they stay orphans until they're an adult. Yeah. So it can take one to to change a life for a lifetime. Exactly. It's just how do we go about it? Mm-hmm. Because the one thing uh, the therapist said was that the child wants to feel safe. And that's like our job for our children to feel safe. That's our duty. Yeah. Yeah. And how are we doing that? Are we shutting them down? Are we thinking sometimes as providers, especially single parents, or even couples, mm-hmm. working couples, we feel like because we have a roof over their head and we're giving them stuff and we're working, we're doing everything we need to do. Mm-hmm. That can happen. But that's not what they need. You will see kids more happier playing in dirt and with certain amount of toys or just chilling with family sometimes than you will ever see with someone stuck in an iPad. Yeah. That's true. Because you're causing them to not associate with anybody. You're causing them to not even associate with you. Mm-hmm. I understand there's working parents and have to have nannies and have there's so many different circumstances. Just be careful you don't lose sight of your children. Mm-hmm. Be careful that it's not so far gone to where they are now the parents of your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Stay strong in your relationship with your kids so you can know what's going on. Exactly. You shouldn't have to hear from someone else's mouth what your child did. Mm-hmm. The school should be able to call you directly and you should be able to answer. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. We have to make our children priority again. Mm-hmm. We are becoming a society that is letting the children raise their self. Yeah. And when things get hard with our children, we are quick to dispose of them. That hurt me to say, but I had to say it. Your channel is beautiful and it's about truth. And we're being real here and raw. Mm -hmm. And I feel that the society that we are living in and the media that we're influenced by is is making like our children are disposable. Exactly. Oh, they're too tough? Oh, they're too bad? Send them off. Send them here. Take them there. Fill them with medication. We're not getting to the root of it. And the sad thing we don't sometimes want to realize is that we may be that root. Mm-hmm. And we need to uproot our traumas so we don't pass down those traumas to our children. Yeah. We have to be the generational curse breakers yeah. in order to move forward to where we bring up healthy and well-rounded children. Now, when these guys become 18, it, they get to choose who their daddy's going to be. Now, if they're going to choose to be influenced by God or influenced by the devil, it's up to them. Mm-hmm. But we 
can do the best we can. And I would like to touch on that really quick. Okay. Stop giving up on your kids at 18. Oh. Stop throwing them to the wolves at 18, talking about y'all grown now. Bye. No. 18-year-olds are not ready for the world. If you know your child is not mentally stable or emotionally stable to take on this world, do not kick them out so quick. Give them that opportunity to try college, to try vocational school by staying home. Encourage them that if they don't want to live in the dormitories, they don't have to. Encourage them that if they don't want to get an apartment at 18 right off the nest, they don't have to. Give them until they're 21 if they like it. Offer it. Offer it until they're 25. Offer the chance that, hey, we may, you know, build a house big enough to where you can just stay here. You know how many families live together for the rest of their life? (laughs) Yeah. Marry and do just fine. Yeah. Because they have built that relationship. With their family, yeah. Yes, and then they travel the world and they do things, but they know they got base, and base is home. They know they have that. You know, versus just kicking them out because they're grown to 50 states. You know how hard it is to make it out here as adults for us? Imagine what we're doing when we're telling our kids to get out. Yeah. And and that can help into any type of trauma that they're doing. That, that, that can aid any type of things that they're going through, I mean, you know? Yeah. If they went through a trauma and then, you know, at 18, we just kick them out and we don't give them any type of adult guidance, maybe how to budget, you know? How to take care of themselves, how to shop, how to pay bills on time mm-hmm. and things like that. We're just aiding that. We're, we're, we're pushing them even deeper and helping them become a statistic. Yeah, basically. Well, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, you, so you had to let that out. I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, we can't expect our kids to be better than us or to be healthy or to grow into healthy adults if we're not even eating that ourselves. Yeah. Like I said, we have to really look at ourselves as parents, and sometimes that's really hard to do. But I love how the Bible says, before you go take a speck out of somebody else's eye, you know, analyze the plank in your eye. Mm -hmm. So we have to even, you know, look at what we're doing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Are we telling our children, do as I do and as I say, because they line up with us? Is our integrity lining up? Mm -hmm. Or are we just telling our children, do as I say and not as I do because they're not lining up. Yeah, and that confused the child, so. That does. And it makes us look like hypocrites. Exactly. And we wonder why we get into a world of rebellion with our children. Yeah. We're not even being straight-faced with them, so how are we to, how do we expect them to do that with us? Mm-hmm. It's true. Philly's up in fit, preaching up in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh girl i love it i love it so much thank you so much for joining us and your word was so spot on that i knew i was like okay i know she's gonna kill it i have to let this girl in here so 
Thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, having me. And again, to all your listeners and, and viewers, you know, this is no attack on anyone. Again, like I said, you know, um, me and your girl here, we're human. Yeah. And this was, you know, our heartfelt, you know, spiritual and personal opinions. And it is a very tough subject. It's super hard. You know, yeah, it's please stay strong. You know, please just continue to do the best that you can and and you know again just really just you know it's a subject that it's really hard and this was no judgment no attacks on no one i have nothing but respect for all parents all adults you know that you are making it and doing their best single parents everyone out there i love you all with the love of christ you know and just we just got to do our best and do better. Yeah. And that's you know, right. You and, wanted and to correct every day that. we yeah. wake up, we have that opportunity to be better. I always tell everyone that this. You can you can always be better than you were yesterday or even five minutes ago. If yeah. you messed up five minutes ago, right now in this moment, you can be better. Yeah. Exactly. So thank you so much for uh, this opportunity and, and on such a sensitive subject. But... You know, I believe we we need to get out of the norm, you know, making these things a norm. Yeah. You know? And stop all this already. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Philly, for uh, stopping by. This is your girl, Lady Rose. I'll be back with my final thoughts. Okay, so I just want to say thank you to Kaji and Felicita for joining us. I greatly appreciate it for your guys' wisdom and your knowledge. We got the medical terms and we um, we also got the spiritual terms. So I'm extremely um, excited about you know learning from them and I hope you guys learned something so before I get all preachy, which I am because I have to, this is such a topic that I cannot just let it slide with oh you know okay bye have a good one guys you know no i really want to tackle this a little bit more if you guys let me bear with me and i do want to give you this scripture on james 1 14 to 15 but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed then after desire has conceived you know, it's fully taking, you know, control over them that they really desire a child. It gives birth to the sin. And sin, which they committed the act, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Meaning, you might not physically die, but you did die spiritually. That that disconnects you from God. God cannot dwell on a person who's sinful. So if a person's committing an act of sin in that way by molesting a child this is a person that is act upon it a pedophile that is acting on it you are committed yourself to sin against god because this is not a holy thing this is an evil um spirit that um controls you um a lot of people say oh well you know they have you know you're giving the devil too much credit no 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 you are enticed you are falling into your own desires and you went with it so the bible says also in exodus 21 12 anyone who assaults and kills another person must be put to death those were the instructions of god if you are insult assaulting a child in any way i truly believe what the bible says you must be put to death i know now 
now that Jesus died for everybody, everybody has a chance to repent. If you want to repent for your sinful ways and your actions, repent. Yes, ask for forgiveness. Ask, ask Jesus to forgive you, but you must pay the consequences because the Bible does also say you reap what you sow. And if you sow sin, you don't know if you're going to fall for it later on. And God knows those type of people that have those type of hearts that if one drop of poison can ruin the whole cup, it only takes one person to ruin a whole village. And God knows that those people are not good for the community because it only takes one person to ruin it. It doesn't take many, it only takes one. So I, I, I myself wouldn't want those people around me um, or I don't think they should be living here on earth. I'm just going biblically. Um, and also, if you have not committed this sin, but you are thinking about it, you're desiring it, please seek help. Like the therapist said, please seek help. Nobody needs to know. Handle this situation so you do not commit this evil act. Please seek help either spiritually or mentally, however you want to handle it. But please have uh, um, have self-control and go look for help. And also for the people who are victims, I hear you. I am sorry that you're going through this or you went through this. And I really want to ask everybody who is listening, if you know someone that has gone through this, please help them out. They need your love. They need your protection, especially a child, because the child doesn't know how, how they brought this upon them. It's not their fault. They didn't ask for it. They didn't, they didn't know that this was going to happen to them. So I beg you, please protect the children. Who cares what people think? Oh, well, there's going to be a controversy. Who cares? People are going to talk either way. If you're doing good, if you're doing bad, who cares what people say? Speak up for the children. Protect the children. They're hopeless. They're weak. They can't defend themselves. We are the people, the grown-ups are the ones that need to protect them. So we need to make them feel secure. If a child tells you something, listen, because I have heard stories that is so sad that the mother didn't listen because she didn't want to lose her man or because um, parents didn't want to listen because, oh, que va a decir la familia, que va a decir el neighbor, who cares? There's a reason why we have laws. There's a reason why we have judges, prosecutors. You need to bring uh, justice for these kids and take these pedophiles off the streets. I don't care what title they have. I don't care how much money they have. We need to remove them, especially away from our children. It's not fair to them. Like, I don't know if you guys heard about that story. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. The one that, the guy that killed himself in the cell, Epstein or Epstein, I forgot his name, but he knew the right people. He was a famous guy with money. He knew Trump. He knew uh, uh, Bill Clinton. And when he got caught in the first time, he went to court in the low low. Nobody knew about this. And he got sentenced a couple of months. When he came out of jail, guess what happened? He did it again and with more little girls until they finally caught him. Who cares who they know? Put him, to the, and, and put him in jail. Those people do not deserve to live. I know there's a lot of controversy with the priest who cares of their title. Children must be protected first. This is why I'm doing this because I have a voice and I want to give all these victims a voice as well. And if we could stop it now, let's do it. Let's make a change. Let's shine light where there's darkness. 
because I am tired of the enemy getting away with so much and we're just sitting there doing nothing. No, it's time to stand up for these kids. And I pray to God, heal those kids in the name of Jesus Christ. I know I'm getting all preaching, I'm sorry, but I just have a thing that, you know, I have nieces and if something ever happens to them, I swear to God, I will, oh my God. Oh my God, I will definitely go to jail. Let's just put it that way. I would go to jail for my nieces. I would not care um, because I don't think nobody should get away with this evil act. So, whew, you know, I don't even want to think about it. So anyway, so get back to the topic. Um, I hope you guys learned something from it. And I pray that you guys stand up with me and protect the children because they're the next generation. And let's just end this. It's time. It's time. We're the, we're the generation. We're going to do this. Enough putting it under the rug. All right. This is your girl, Little Rose. I'm out.